graduates. I always try to speak to the graduates uh, during this time, and so I wrote this message with them in mind, but that doesn't let the rest of you off the hook, because God's Word speaks to all of us, no matter where we are in life's journey. What I want to do is pick up really where I left off last week. Y'all remember last week? What was last week? Mama said, Mama said on Mother's Day, uh, just a side note, how many of you ladies are cherishing your hammer screwdriver that we gave you? You loving it? Fantastic. I, I know some of you are afraid to use it. You don't want to chip off that floral paint that's on your hammer head. Uh, anybody put it under their pillow and just sleeping with it because it's so, it might be a good, yeah, it might be a good tool for the guy next to you. Anyway. Hey, uh, I finished last Sunday's message using an illustration uh, from a sermon preached by Billy Sunday entitled Mothers. And he talked about Moses and his mother. Remember that story? Uh, how she put Moses out in the Nile River and Pharaoh's daughter found Moses in the little basket. And she asked, who can I get to raise this child for me? And Moses' big sister was standing there. She went and got Moses' mother, brought Moses' mother back. And here's what Pharaoh's daughter said. Take this child and wean it for me, and I will pay you your wages. Isn't that great? That mama got paid for raising her own kid. Woohoo! And some of you are saying, well, where's my, well, where's my pay? God is going to pay you, all right? And so what I want to do is pick up on the life of Moses. And instead of reading the account in Exodus, I'm going to give you the short version. It's the synopsis found in Hebrews chapter 11. This is the roll call of the heroes of faith. In fact, almost every verse begins in saying, by faith. And so that's, that's what my sermon is about today, living by faith. Here's what it says about Moses, Hebrews 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to his reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." And Lord, I pray that we would see Jesus today, and I pray that as I try to speak on the outside, you would speak to our hearts, challenge these young people, Lord, and make a difference in their life today. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, guys, what I want to do is talk about Moses for the next few minutes. I consider Moses one of the greatest men of the universe, all right? No doubt he was one of the greatest men of the Old Testament. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Right? God chose Moses to lead his people Israel out of Egyptian captivity. They had been slaves there for over 400 years. Moses is the man who wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. We call them the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They are indeed a, a nut of the entire Bible. They tell us the beginning of the rest of the Bible. 
Moses was an amazing man, an incredible man. And so I've asked myself the question many times, why did God choose Moses? Pretty good question. Why did he choose Moses? Of all the thousands of Jewish boys, why did he choose Moses? I think I came up with a pretty good answer, right? It's because God knew that later on in life, Moses would choose him. You with me? God chose Moses because God knew that Moses would choose him. And because Moses made a number of very important decisions in his life. Really, he settled the four key issues that we all have to face and settle in our life. What are they? Issue number one is the issue of identity. Who am I? What did God create me to do? Why in the world am I here? The second issue he settled is the issue of responsibility. When am I going to grow up and assume responsibility for my own life? <laughs> we'll have fun with that one, all right? Issue number three is the issue of priority. Of all the things that are vying for my attention out there, what are the most important ones? And of those important ones, what is the most important thing I need to invest my life in? And then the final issue he dealt with is the issue of difficulty. Because let me tell you, we're all going to face hard times. The road is going to get rocky. And in those tough times, those difficult times, who do we depend on? And what are we going to do with our life? These are the issues that we all have to deal with. Moses faced these issues in his life. And in every instance, Moses made the right choice. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, the four foundations of making your life count. How can I make my life count? Are you ready? Yes. You need to write these down, all right? Four foundations. How can I make my life count? I want, Jason, I wanted, Jason, Jason, two Jasons on the front of you. I wanted to entitle this message, How to Be a Winner, all right? How to Be a Winner. Because Moses was a winner, man, all right? And I want you guys to be winners, and I want your life to count. Here's how you do it. Number one, you discover who God made you to be. You discover who God created you to be, and then you be that person that God made you be. M Moses was born a Hebrew slave, but he was raised as Pharaoh's grandson in Pharaoh's palace, the most opulent place in the world at that time. So for the first 40 years of Moses' life, Moses had an identity crisis. <laughs> Moses was trying to figure out, who am I? Am I Jewish or am I Egyptian? Am I a slave or am I royalty? And the major consequences of that decision would affect the rest of Moses' life. They really would. If he chose to say, it chooses to say, I am Pharaoh's grandson, here's what awaits him. Fame, fortune, a life of luxury, a promising career, and the heir of the throne of Egypt. And all he, all he had to say is, I love you, grandpappy. <laughs> That's all he had. He, if, he, if he chose the life of Pharaoh... He had life on easy street. But if he chooses to say, no, I am Jewish and I am a Jewish slave, here's what was going to happen to him. He would be rejected, despised. He would be thrown out of the palace. He would be humiliated. And he would have to live the rest of his life 
as a slave. But guys, I want you to know, mark it down, Moses refused to live a lie. Moses was a man of integrity, and Moses was a man of character. And so he made this decision in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, <laughs> I love that phrase. We're going to talk about it here in a little bit. Some of y'all need to grow up. And I'm not talking about the kids in here. I'm talking about you 40-year-olds. Okay? It's time you grow up. When Moses had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I want you to circle or underline the word refused. Here's what it means. It means to disown, to reject, to leave no door open, to settle the issue once and for all, and to be done with it. Moses insisted on being what God made him to be. That's the decision. I'm going to be the person God made me to be. And no palace influence or no peer pressure could change his mind on that because he made the decision. I am who God made me to be. Now, here's what I want you to know, all of you in this room. God made you for a reason. God made you. There is nobody on planet Earth who has the same DNA as you. Nobody has the same fingerprint as you. Nobody has the heart that you have. Why? Because God made you, you. And you're special. And God has a plan for your life. Come on. God's got a purpose for your life. He wants you to be you. And here's the big question. If you don't be you, who's going to be you? I mean, honestly, if you aren't the person God made you to be, doing the thing God created you to do, who's going to do that? The first secret of success is be who God made you to be. Let, let me flip it around and say it like this. Quit trying to be somebody you're not. Hmm? Quit trying to be somebody else. Quit trying to conform to the world. Quit trying to look like everybody else looks. Quit trying to dress like everybody else dressed. Quit trying to talk like everybody else talks. Quit trying to be like everybody else. Be you. Because God made you you. Now here's the secret I've discovered in all this. The only way I can be the person God made me to be, William Richard Harmon, the only way I can be Will Harmon is with God's help. I've got to have God helping me be the person he has made me to be. So the first foundation, how to make your life count, be the person God made you to be. Number two, you need to accept responsibility for your own life. Right? Stop making excuses and stop blaming other people for your life. You've got to take the initiative. Verse 25, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. I want you to underline the word chose. Moses chose that. If you want to make an impact with your life, it's your choice. You get to choose. Moses chose. This is the life I'm going to live. You choose the life you're going to live. Now, again, let me flip it around and say it like this. Did you know that you're as close to God as you choose to be? Okay. You read the Bible as much as you choose to read the Bible. You pray as much as you choose to pray. It's your choice. God has given you the freedom of choice. 
The freedom of will. I love it because that's why we're free will Baptists. <laughs> you get it? God's given us a free will. And we get to choose. You have the freedom of choice. And the choices that you make in life determine your future. Listen to me. In verse 24, we have Moses refusing. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. In verse 25, we have Moses choosing. He follows a negative with a positive. He refused to be like the world and conform to the world, and he chose rather to live for God. He refused the world, and he chose God. Wow, man. Isn't that awesome? In verse 23, God chose Moses as a baby. But in verse 25, Moses had to choose God as an adult. Verse 24 says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, <laughs> you know, a mark of maturity is when you start accepting responsibility for your own life. Come on. When you stop blaming other people. As a baby, it was okay for Moses to live off of his parents' faith. But when Moses grew up, he had to make that decision for himself. And you do too. Now, I'm, I'm an old man. People call me old now and I get mad and I want to jack them in the jaw because, you know, I mean, I, I don't think I'm old, but really I am. Once you turn 55, you're old, all right? And I'm about, to turn, I'm about to turn 56, so I'm really old, all right? And so because I'm old, teenagers, I can say stuff like this. Here are the three facts of life that you need to understand, and you will understand them as you get older. Number one... I cannot live my life off of other people's spiritual commitments. And neither can you. You've got to grow up. You've heard people say, well, my parents are Christians. Or my daddy was a missionary. Or my husband or wife is a believer. And I want to say, so what? <laughs> I mean, that, that's great for them, but so what? What about you? Because you have to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ on your own. And I'm saying this to the teenagers in this room. And those of you young adults, here it is. This is big. It's time for you to grow up. Okay? You need to quit living off the spiritual apron strings of your parents and your grandparents. And you need to get your own faith. Well, I thought that would have a bigger amen than that, man. Maybe the problem is because you parents won't let them grow up. Maybe that's where we need to go with this. You know, come on. Quit, quit being the, the helicopter mom and dad. You, let, you need to let your kids face some hard times on their own. You need to let them face difficulties and see where their faith really lies. They can't depend on you for the rest of their lives. Help them grow up, mom and dad. Push them out there and help them to find their own faith in Jesus Christ because they can't get into heaven on your faith. Man, that's, woo, woo, I think it's good stuff. Number two, I can't blame other people for the direction of my life. The world loves to do that. Here's what society says. Society says the exact opposite. It says, oh baby, listen to me, it's not your fault. You're just a product of the environment. It's your parents' fault. 
It's your teacher's fault. Blah, 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 blah. It's not your fault. Blame others for your messed up life. And so you do. You play the blame game. I've told you this before, but do you know how you spell blame? It's be lame. Be lame. And when you're blaming, that's exactly what you're doing. You're being lame. You can't blame other people for the direction of your life. Why? Because it's your life. You, you can't control all the circumstances in your life. I know that. But here's what you can control. You can control how you respond to those circumstances. So grow up. Lesson number three. Nobody can ruin my life except me. You know why? Because it's my choice. And you're free to choose what you do with your life. So here's how you make your life count. You figure out who you are in Jesus Christ. Discover why God made you. Number two, you accept the responsibility for your own life. You grow up. And then number three, as you grow up, you establish the core values that you're going to live by. You establish your value system for life. If you're going to make your life count, you need to settle the issue of what really is important in life. You need to clarify it. Moses did that. He clarified his values and his priorities. Look at verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, I know that's a difficult verse and maybe it doesn't make sense to you, so let's try to explain it. The key word is the first word, esteeming. Here's what the word esteeming means. It means to evaluate, to consider, to weigh it in the balance, to judge it. This is something you don't do spur of the moment. This is something you sit down and really contemplate and think about. It took Moses 40 years to do this. I hope it takes you a little less time than 40 years. But I'm telling you, you need to do it. You need to think it through. And here's what you're thinking through. How am I going to live my life? You need to weigh it in the balance. Y'all know what a balance is? A scale? Pivots in the middle? Whatever is heavier wins out? Here's what Moses did. He weighed it in the balance. He esteemed it. Okay, what's important to me? The treasures and possessions of Egypt. Let me put it like this. The world or God. And ultimately, when it comes down to it in your life, that's what you're weighing out. How am I going to live my life? What are the values I'm going to live by? The world's values? What the world says is important? Or what God says is important? What's important to me? The things of the world? Or the things of God? And you've got to figure that out, man. You've got to decide that. You need to establish these values in your life. Moses did. He figured out what was important and what's not important. You're saying, but Brother Will, I'm only 17 years old. Why do I have to do that? Why is that important? You're saying, Preacher, I'm only 50 years old. Why do I have to do that? Why is it important? Here's why. Listen to me. Because if you don't decide what's important in your life, 
Somebody else is going to do it for you. Somebody will do it. You either decide what's best of your life or somebody else is going to decide for you. The world is more than happy to pressure you into its mold and to promote its value system on your life. And that's what the world is constantly doing, pressuring you to be like the world. The Bible says it this way, to conform to the world. The devil's putting the pressure on you to be just like the world. And it happens to a lot of us as Christians. Okay, I know a lot of Christians who are saved. They, they say they love the Lord, and I don't doubt that they don't love the Lord. But here's the problem. They have just bought into the world's value system. Why? Because the world has crammed its values down our throat ever since we were little kids. I mean, in the public world, that's, that's what is crammed down into your throat and into your brain. It's school, watching commercials on TV, and even the programs that little kids watch from the time they're little till they grow up. It's the world. The world is pressuring you to conform to its value system. You might say, well, preacher, what, what is the world's value system? Three things. Let's throw them up on the screen. Here's the world's value system. Number one is power, prestige. I could put another word in there, popularity. Power, prestige, popularity. I, I, I want to be famous, man. You be famous. You make your mark. Let everybody know who you are. You be the number one dog. Be famous. Be popular. Okay? Power, prestige, popularity. Number two is pleasures. Oh, man. People live their life for pleasures. I want to feel good. I, I want to do what makes me feel. I want to have fun. Let's party. <laughs> Number three, possessions. I want it all, man. I want to make a fortune. I want to be wealthy. I want everything the world has to offer. Did you know that all temptation falls into one of those three categories? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And if you don't believe me, go home and watch a day's worth of commercials. It's all about these things, power, prestige, popularity, pleasure, and possessions. And here's the kicker. Here's the wild thing. Moses, by the world standard, had it all. He had all of those things. He had all three. He had them all. He had power, prestige, popularity. I mean, he was the grandson of Pharaoh. He was going to inherit the throne of the most powerful country in the world, everyone would know Moses. Dude, he had pleasure. Every whim could be satisfied. Wine, women, didn't matter. All he had to do is snap his fingers and it was brought to him. Possessions? Egypt was at the very center of the world's wealth at that time. I mean to tell you, Moses had it all. Power, pleasure, possessions. He had it all. But he walked away from it. He turned around and he walked away. Why in the world would he do that? Because he knew something you better figure out. Moses knew that these things aren't going to last. They're temporary. They're fleeting. They're not going to last 20 years, much less through eternity. They just don't last. And so he waited out and he said, no, I don't think I'm going to take the world's value system. I'm going to take God's value system. 
So what was Moses' value system? Three things real quickly. Moses figured out that God's plan for his life was more valuable than power, prestige, or popularity. Now, God had a plan for Moses' life to lead the people out of Egyptian bondage and into freedom. That was God's plan for Moses' life. And because of that, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Here's what he said. I am going to give up the prestige, the power, and the popularity because I know that stuff doesn't last. And I'm going to do what God made me to do. I'm going to do God's will, God's way. Because let me tell you something, folks. If you are living for the popularity and the fame that other people give you, you are sinking into a deep mire of manure. Doesn't last. Doesn't last. I graduated with over 600 kids in my high school. It was a big high school. I knew a lot of people back in those days, and I was pretty cool. I, mean, I had a Laguna SS, man. That was a car. It was pretty fast. You know, I had long hair. I was cool, man. I mean, I was, that was back when we could have long hair, and it was, it was cool. A lot of people knew me. Went on to college, man. Hillsdale was a little campus. I was a big man on campus. In those days, I drove a Cadillac Eldorado, <laughs> baby. I mean, you know what? I can go back to those places today. Nobody knows me. Nobody knows me. Here, here's the deal. One minute, you're a hero. The next minute, you're a zero. I'm telling you. People could care less. Did you hear me? People could care less. I come home from a cowboy shoot and I tell my family, hey, I won my category. <laughs> Big deal. They say, how'd you do overall? Well, I came in fourth overall and they just turn around and do something else. They don't. <laughs> this year's superstars are next year's has-beens. Let me tell you, you can't live for the fame of other people. It, it doesn't last. Moses said, I would rather do God's purpose and do what God has told me to do rather than be in this place of power, prestige, and popularity. Second value. He learned that people are more valuable than pleasure. Verse 25, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. And again, they were in slavery at that time. Rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, guys, you know I love the Bible. I, I Man, I just love the It tells it like it is. The Bible doesn't lie. It doesn't sugarcoat. Notice what the Bible says at the end of this verse. He said, it says there is pleasure in sin. And I want you to know that's true. There's pleasure in sin. It's fun. Let me tell you, if, if sin was a bummer, nobody would want to do it. But the devil does everything he can to make sin fun. Huh? It is fun. But it's only fun for a short time. That verse says only for a season. It doesn't last. Moses could have had temporary pleasure being the next Pharaoh of Egypt. Or he could go do what God called him to do. And that was to help the people of God. To deliver God's people who needed to be set free. I mean, Moses could have stayed there in the palace and lived the life of luxury. 
But if he had done that, nobody would even know Moses' name today. Moses would be some mummy in some tomb in Egypt. (laughs) Nobody would even know who he is. But he chose the right thing. Any whim could have been satisfied. But in order to do the right thing, he chose God's plan and God's people. Third value. God's peace is more valuable than possessions. Look at verse 26. He regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. So in verse 24, he rejects the world's measure of success. In verse 25, he rejects the world's measure of pleasure. In verse 26, he rejects the world's treasure. Those are the big three. He does what is right because he knew that God's peace was more valuable than possessions. He knew that no possession could give him that inner peace. Moses would have been miserable not doing what God made him to do. Because I'm telling you, you can't buy peace. Can't buy me love. And you can't buy peace. Peace only comes when you are right smack dab in the middle of doing God's will, God's way. When you are doing what God made you to do. That's where peace comes from. So i got to ask you guys, what do you value? You know, it is amazing to me that Moses gave up the very three things we spend our entire life trying to get. Pleasure, possessions, prestige. What in the world made Moses do that? What would make a person give that up? Verse 26 tells us, because he was looking forward to his reward. He had perspective. He knew what to look forward to. What motivates you to reject the world's value system and to accept God's value system for your life? Well, it's your perspective. It's what are you looking at? Listen to me. Almost done here. If you're looking at the right here and now, and that's all you're looking at, what's going to satisfy me right here and right now? You are going to accept the world's value system. But if you look beyond that, if you look beyond the 40, 50, 60, 80 years that you're going to be on planet Earth, and you're looking into eternity, then you're going to accept God's value system. And that's where we're going to end today The fourth way to make your life count, you never take your eyes off the goal. You keep focused on the goal. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. I don't know how he did it, but I think he had his eyes on Jesus. He saw him who is invisible, therefore he persevered. He stayed focused on the goal. The secret to perseverance is vision. You keep your eyes on the ultimate reward. And because of that, you don't give up. You don't quit. You don't give in. Moses persevered because he saw him who is invisible. That's how you make your life count. That's how you become a winner. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And if your eyes are on Jesus, you're not going to quit. You're not going to give in. You're not going to give up. 
In the very next chapter, chapter 12, this is how it begins. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Again, you see those two things go together. Let us run with perseverance and let us keep our eyes on Jesus. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, man, you're going to keep going and you're not going to give up. And that is exactly what Moses did. He persevered because he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. So teenagers, there it is, man. That's how you make your life count. You make, you make this decision, okay? I'm going to follow God instead of the world. God made me for a specific purpose. I am accepting responsibility for my own life, and I'm not going to blame anybody else anymore. I'm going to follow God's plan, God's way, and I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus because that is the finish line. And then you live your life that way. I made that commitment when I was a little kid. It was reaffirmed when God called me to preach when I was 11 years old. But another thing happened to me when I was just a young man. I'd finished my uh, second year of college at Hillsdale. And uh, the summer between my sophomore and junior year, I went back home to Midland, Texas. That's where I was born and raised. Mom and dad lived in Lubbock. But I went to Midland. My uncle owned a machine shop. And uh, he offered me a job for the summer. Gonna pay me a, he was going to pay me a lot of money. Okay? And I needed the money to live on. So I, I went to Midland. I lived with my grandparents and uh, my nanny. My gra granny, she loved me like my mom loved Zane. She fixed me waffles in the morning and made my lunch for me and had supper for me when I came home. And she took care of me. And I mean, I had, man, I had life made that summer. Lived with my grandparents, made a lot of money working for my uncle at the machine shop. Right before I went home to Midland that summer, I called the pastor of the Westside Free Will Baptist Church. Stacy, that was my home church. It's where I grew up, got saved in that church, answered the call to preach in that church. The pastor was Danny Potter. Danny's older than me, but he was raised in the church as well. I've known him all my life. And so I asked Danny, I said, hey, I'm going to be coming home for the summer. Could I intern at Westside Church this summer? He said, Will, we would love to have you. Come on. And so I moved there to Midland, worked for my uncle, was a summer intern for the Westside Free Will Baptist Church. They gave me an office. First office, first church office I ever had, man. Now... I was there when we built that church. I, I went up there at night and helped my dad hammer. So I, 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 I helped build that church, and I knew that church well. It was, it was an, what, what the office was, it used to be an old Sunday school uh, department office room. It's a little bitty, tiny cracker box room. But that was my office. They gave me a desk. I remember that desk when I was a kid there. It was old then, okay? <laughs> So now it's really a rinky-dink chair that was falling apart, but it was my chair. They, they found a, a bookshelf, put it up behind my desk. I had, Wes, what few books I had, they were right there on the bookshelf. Man, I was living life. I was doing good, man. Had a stepside Chevy white pickup out in the parking lot, making a lot of money. Man, life is good. One Thursday night, I was up at the church, worked all day, came up there. I was getting ready to preach that next Sunday night at a church in Odessa. And so I was up there studying. I kicked back in my rinky-dink chair, <laughs> put my feet up on that desk. And I was just 
I was, Nathan, I was gloating. I was, I was proud of myself. Well, you've done so good, I said. You know, when, you're going to be a pastor of a church like this one of these days. Get, get used to having your feet up on the desk, son. <laughs> you know, God has a way of uh, bringing you off your cloud. He humbled me that night. I'm not going to go into all the details that happened, but I stayed up at the church almost all night that night, God humbling me. And David, I ended up on my knees, not just on my knees, my face was on the ground. It was, it was one of those moments, and I, did, I haven't had many of them, but it, this was one of those moments. I call them a continental divide moment. It's a landmark moment. God took me from, from here to over here that night. And here was the big deal. Here's, here's what I had to do. I'd given him my life. I'd accepted the call to ministry. But here's what I did that night. I gave everything to him. Lord, no matter where you want me to go, I'll go. No matter what you want me to be, I'll be. No matter what it is you call me to say or what ministry you call me into, Lord, I'll do it because I'm living for you. Let me tell you something, God, that changed everything in my life. It took every other option of working for AT&T or working for my uncle at a machine shop or doing this or doing, took every other option off the table because this is what God called me to do. And I surrendered to that. I accepted God's value system and I rejected the world. Now, I've had some other big moments in my life, but I can tell you this. There are a lot of times I have to go back to 1981. You probably think this is a gravy job that I have. And at times it is. But there are other times like I've had the past two or three weeks where I've really wanted to throw in the towel. I don't, and I don't mean this in any negative way, but th there are some things that happened that I've just had to step back and say, is it worth it? Man, if I was just a little older and had a little more money, I'd think about retiring. I'm just being honest with you. And even though those thoughts come into my mind, they don't stay there. Why? Because in 1981, I dealt with it. I crossed the divide. My eyes are fixed on the goal, Jesus, and nothing else will do. It's settled. It's done. And I'm not going to be deterred. You need to have a moment like that. Moses did. We know it as the burning bush. Mine was a little Sunday school office at the Westside Free Will Baptist Church in Midland, Texas. Maybe yours will be today at one of these altars. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends who are here today and specifically.